Welcome to another episode of the Better Wealth Podcast. In today's interview, I had the opportunity to sit down, actually physically sit down with a good friend of mine, Jim Baker, who's uh, really in the Christian faith-based world of helping um, Christians get their money thing figured out. And it was a very interesting interview, very good, very a lot of good insights. And uh, we did this pre-COVID. This was when he was coming into Denver and he was staying with me. And so you're gonna re- you're gonna notice we reference a couple things about economic hard times and don't mention anything about where we're currently at as a country. And so I just wanted to give you context around that. Without further ado, enjoy this interview. Now you can't build a skyscraper on an outhouse foundation. Yeah. The, uh, the width and depth of the foundation determines the height of the building. And we wanna help people build a high building when it comes to their finances so they can make a big impact. You know, more money equals more impact. And um, I like to look at it like this, you know, if God can get money through you, he'll get money to you and there'll be plenty left over for you. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Hey, Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, good to be here, Caleb. Thank you. It is good to be one-on-one with you in Denver in in the podcast studio. And man, there's so many things that we can we can talk about. What I want to what I want to start is I want I don't know if you remember this, but when we are first introduced, um, I heard your story, and I'm like, holy cow! So what I want to do first is I want to get your back backstory, your origin, who, who you were as a kid and, and why, how, how you are uh, to this day. And that, that explains a lot. But then I also want to get into all the kind of courses that you're doing, what sure. the movement that you're creating. And we've had so many amazing conversations as it relates to money and especially believers getting this right. Yeah. And you have so much to give. So um, no time limits. Let's let's all roll. Right. Let's go for it. Well, it was the stormy night, the night of my birth. Should we start by that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The birth I'm sure canal was. was rather tight. But um, no, I mean, I grew up in a Christian home and they love God. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, dad was my best friend. So, I mean, he was best man at my wedding. You know, he uh, I named my firstborn son after him. Wow. So uh, we really just had that privilege. <clears throat> You know, one story that really captures who my dad is, is I was, uh, so I was a little guy, you know, I don't know, maybe nine or 10, and he had this top drawer with this basket in it. And I love to go in his top, like a top dresser drawer, you know, so picture like my eye height, that's the top drawer, you know? Yeah. So I would go in there and he just had these treasures in there, things that just to a little kid look amazing. He had like a tie clip, had like cufflinks, he had uh, currency from other countries, he traveled. He had like a little divot repair kit. And then uh, back used to travel a lot. They would give sewing kits with like different colored threads. And so I just thought these things were the most amazing things. And so one day dad was on a trip and I went in there and I stole a bunch of his things. I don't know what I was thinking. My my fidgety fingers just couldn't take it. I, right. I, I had to have it. And so I went and I put it in my desk drawer. And so a couple of days later, dad comes home and we're, uh, you know, he's, he's tucking me into bed and he opens up the drawer and he sees all this stuff in there. And he's like, Jim, what's going on here? I said, you know, Dad, I'm, I'm so sorry I took, you know, Father, forgive me for I yeah. sinned, you know. And he says, I understand. And uh, he takes me by the hand and he walks me into his bedroom. And so I was expecting some justice. I was expecting him to apply a little heat to my backside, you know. And um, what he did changed my life forever. I, I'm a different person because of it. He opens up his top drawer and he says, son, everything I have belongs to you. What else do you want? No way. And so that so shaped my vision of what God the Father is like. And it's interesting, dad, my dad heard me tell that story a couple of years ago. And um, two Christmases ago, I got a gift from my dad. It was this treasure box. And I opened it up, and there was cufflinks in there. Wow. And a tie clip and uh, 
sewing kit and uh, all, all the currency from other countries. And so in my closet, I've got a shelf that's right about eye level. And uh, every morning I uh, get ready. I usually, you know, get dressed in the closet. I got my dresser in there. But at eye level, I look at that treasure chest and I just am reminded of the goodness of God, you know, and I, I think, you know, if you just want a great theology lesson, Matthew 7 gives us a great one. He says, if you fathers being evil, in other words, you're not perfect, you know how to give good gifts to your children. Totally, totally. How much more? If there's any Dragon Ball Z fans out there, you know, he takes it to a super saiyan level, much more. And so that that's how good our God is. And so that really just, it shaped me. You know, I mean, dad and I, uh, I mean, it may sound crazy. We did this thing called subs and rubs. And so my mom uh, did a Bible study on Monday nights. My sister had cheerleading. And dad and I would rent karate movies, and we would go to Picasso Subs, <laughs> Italian, Italian whole hot minus tomato and onion, extra dressing. We'd get a Sundance sparkler and uh, half a, pi- a pint of uh, Haagen-Dazs raspberry sorbet and cream. We had a little tradition. And we'd eat the food, and then uh, we, would, we would rub each other's feet. We would take No time, way. We'd rub each other's feet, and we would just talk about life. Hey, Jim, what's going on in your life? And I would just share with him my life, and he would give me wisdom, and he'd tell me about work. And we just, it was just a real intimate time of just... Uh, you know, it was just a, such a neat thing that it just, it made sense for him to be my best man. I mean, I still kiss him when I see him. I still kiss well, him. We still rub each other's feet. Well, we have socks on now. <laughs> okay. <but> I, <laughs> I hope it doesn't sound too hard. Yeah, we, and we just, you know, we, uh, we rubbed each other's feet after we ate the subs. I promise you guys, Jim is a cool, Jim, not weird right, person. Yeah, I'm right. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, that's amazing. And like, then we would go out back and walk on water. No, I mean, but, <laughs> but it was just, you know, it so shaped my, I just, I know that I grew up with a, you know, with an imperfect father, but he gave me a revelation of what the father was like. And so yeah. that really shaped who I am. So, I mean, I mean, I didn't plan on sharing any of this, but just, yeah. the, you know, if you want origin story, I, w- I was raised in a home that I knew nothing but the goodness and kindness of a father. Yeah. And so for me to understand God, the father, it wasn't, it wasn't a big leap to understand that he wanted to take care of me. Now I understand there's a lot of people listening to this. You didn't grow up with that, but I, I would just say this. Don't let your experience of an imperfect father keep you from the experience of the perfect father. Mm. And uh, that's what he has for you. So that was growing up. I was pre-med. I'd planned on being a medical missionary. I just, my dream was like, hey, work nine months of the year in the medical practice, three months of the year, uh, just go do missions on your own expense. I didn't want to raise money. I just, I had some right. missionaries doing that. And I just, I, I'm not against it. It just, for me, I thought, boy, um, there's gotta be a better way to, to spend your time, you know, than, you know, so much of that raising the, the funds and all that stuff. But I, I see, I see the, the goodness in it because they're spreading the message and yeah. I, I get all that. Just in my heart, I was like, I don't want to do that. And so, um, yeah, so I was pre-med when uh, I had applied to med school and then planning on going to medical school. I had an encounter with the Lord and um, it just, uh, he just broke my heart for souls and it mm. just shook me. And so just uh, trying to walk out that encounter with him, I ended up uh, realizing I felt like he was calling me to vocational ministry. I, I say vocational because I believe we're all in ministry. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, I ended up going to seminary and um, served two masters. I got a master's in counseling, master in divinity. Wow. And uh, no man can serve two masters. Yeah, it was tough. <laughs> and um, yeah, I ended up being on staff at some larger churches. And so I ended up um, at this one church. Uh, it was about 2,000 people. And, you know, I was kind of under the mentality of, you know, everybody needs money, but it's kind of bad, you know? Right. And so the people who are really... You know, if you were really spiritual, you'd be, you know, you, know, you work your job so that you can do the ministry in the church. I was mm-hmm. under that kind of mentality. And I met this family called the Birchfields. That's, that's mm. the name of the Birchfields. And uh, Brian and Bruce, they, they were living an abundant life. They had an insurance business. Well, and they had a gym and they were in shape and they were good looking and they did fun things with their families. 
and they saw God answer prayer, and they were extremely generous, and they were 100% about the kingdom. It was, For them, more money meant more impact. Yep. And so I'm in a, so they invited me into this prayer meeting. I started doing real estate. I took a guru course and did really mm-hmm. well in it. And um, so I started getting around these guys, and my mentality began to shift that, hold on, um, money's not bad, <laughs> you know? Totally. You know, it's, it's uh, yep. it, well, it can be. It just amplifies whatever's in your heart. Yep. And so, you know, a lot of people are like, well, rich people are greedy. No, greedy people are greedy, <laughs> you know? Yep. And generous people are generous, regardless of their finances. And so it just amplifies what's in your heart. So the Birchfields were just a real turning point for me of seeing a different model. And uh, so that really, I think... Were, that, were you married at the time? Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, married. So that was uh, early 2000s, like okay. 2003, 4, 5, right around there. Married, um, and you're going. You're you're going to be a pastor. Is that, that's... So I was actually on staff at a church. Yes, okay. I, I skipped a bunch. Yes, okay. so uh, mid '90s is seminary, and then started being on staff at churches like '97, '98. Had my first uh, first child. Well, Mary had it. I uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you contributed. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so we'll just leave it there. And so um, it's fun now because my kids are my best friends. Yeah, you know I, that's so, one thing you mentioned because um, you're here with your son Josh, yeah. and and you're like we're best friends. And I don't know why I took a step back because I mean I'm I'm good friends with my dad, but I I wouldn't necessarily consider him my best friend. Yeah. And it's really cool to just see you guys interact and and how how you guys you know treat each other. Well, well, thank you for that. It's uh, it's it's the joy of my life. It really is. And so he's got a girlfriend now, and she lives in Texas. <laughs> and the thought of them moving, I I I mean, I tear up every time I think of it. But, you know, it's like, hey man, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. I'm like, all right, it's scriptural. <laughs> But, you know, so luckily, we'll, uh, hopefully we'll have all have the money to be able to visit each other. Right, right, right. So, but no, thank you for that. That is, uh, I mean, that is wealth. Yeah. You know, to me, you know, one of my big whys for wanting wealth is to be able to have better experiences with my family. Yeah. So it's amazing. It's it, that is wealth. And know? by the way, when we, we have a blueprint process where people go through and they get really clear on their why, and I would say majority of the people that we work with, we can summarize with with family being at the core, which is super special. It is, and I and I think a lot of people just need permission for that. Yeah, you know, I work with people too, and <clears throat> Christians in the, yeah. in the context, and some of them have been under the the teaching that I felt like I I don't know that I was under that teaching, but I had that mentality of money's bad, and you know, the only spiritual thing to do with money is to give it away. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, that's yeah. a really religious thing. That's actually the spirit of Judas. Interesting. If you get something nice, you got to give it away. Couldn't this, couldn't this perfume have been sold and given to the poor? It right. sounds so spiritual. It's Judas. It's Judas mm. talking. It's actually a jealousy and a greed in the heart. that doesn't want you to have it. It wants him to have it because he wanted to steal the money. He was right. stealing off the treasury. So, yeah, I think that I, I love hearing that, that people are waking up to the fact yeah. that it's actually spiritual to take care of your family. Yep. You know, there was actually three tithes in the Old Testament. This is crazy. Three tithes in the Old Testament. The first one was the uh, Levitical tithe, went to the priests. The second one was every three years, went to the poor. But get this, Caleb, the, the third one was the festival tithe. You know what it was? They went and partied on it. God said, I want you to drink the best drink. I want you to eat the best meat. And I want you to enjoy the goodness of God with God. You know what today it would be? It would be Disneyland. They actually went there, and but they did it with God. God, we're enjoying your goodness. We're enjoying your fun. We're enjoying family hmm. being together. And it was actually considered a spiritual thing. You know, that, that message is for me because I do a very, very poor job of celebrating because I'm so focused on building and, and, and it's not always good. I, I've, seen, I've seen it be unhealthy and I'm not even married or have kids yet. 
And so were you always, was it easy for you to celebrate and, and enjoy light? Like that, what was that, the festival tithe? I'm going to remember that. The festival tithe, yeah. Some of you were like, can we start yeah. with the festival yeah, tithe yeah. and not could, give anything could else? Could that be yeah. the first 10%? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can, you can do that one with the Lord. You know, I think dad, so... I, let's go back to my dad. And so I didn't know how much pressure he was under in work. So he was the plant manager of Rockwell International, three different plants. One mm-hmm. was in Canada, one was in Mexico, one was in Kentucky. So he did a lot of traveling, but um, he was home for every soccer game. Yeah. You know, he was there with his cowboy boots and cowboy hat. It was just awesome. And um, and I, and I mom told me what he was going through at work. I mean, it was a lot of pressure. You know, he was the youngest plant manager. And uh, and I said, Dad, how do, you, how do you handle it? And he said, well, Jim, I'll tell you what. He said... Um, he would get to the door every day and he would stop and he would pray this prayer. He said, um, I said, Lord, the same strength that you give me to put into all those people at work, I need double that strength to put it into the, the place that it really matters most, home. And, he would, and then he would open, trust God for the strength. And, you know, he would come home tired, but we never knew he was tired. He would open up the door. This is just our family. He would yell, Daddy's home. Who cares? And we'd all yell, We care. And we'd come run and, and hug him, you know, every single day. I mean, I can, uh, I, I just remember that. So I, I tease my kids sometimes. I, I come home, Daddy's home. Who cares? <sighs> you know, and so, and so I think there's, Dad really modeled. I mean, when he was home, he was home. I probably, I'm honest, I probably need to remember that more right yeah. now. I'm in a season of building myself. And, um, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, I've got a good wife who recalibrates me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the nice way to say it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <Those> <laughs> chiropractic adjustments. Listen, like, get off your phone. And so I've, right. had, to, I've had to leave the phone upstairs. I just, yeah. there's always something to check. Always someone posting on the private group. Always this yeah. and that. And um, so I, I, I need to listen to... I need to listen to my own advice here, right. just to be honest with you. So this is the Better Wealth Podcast, all right? And so one thing that makes you super unique is you have a strong calling in ministry. You're a pastor. Get this, you guys. Jim's a pastor right now, pastoring two churches. And yet you're also, which is very controversial, by the way, also doing uh, a money course and and helping people with different phases. I want to jump into all of it because sure. I mean, last night so much wisdom, so much wisdom, so much wisdom. So I want to actually give people practical takeaways. Yes, and 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 like really help you get this word out because I'm I'm blown away with what you're doing. But let's just first say how sad it is that why is it controversial as a believer, as a pastor to that won't be in the money space because. Like, I get it, trust me. And there may be people listening to this that are judging you right now. And I think it's amazing what, what you're doing, by the way. Well, I appreciate that, especially with the name Jim Baker. You know, <laughs> it doesn't help. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, Jim Baker from Ohio. Now, most of the people <laughs> under 40, they, they don't know who that is. But everyone over 40, they're like, hold on, is that the guy? You know, and so, no, I say it, my, my last name has 1K and no Tammy Faye. And so, um, so yeah, I, I think that there's, you know, there's been some abuse, you know, uh, there's been bad teaching on finances in the past. And I say, well, there's also been bad teaching on heaven, but I still plan on going there. <laughs> okay. So don't throw out the good with the bad. You right. know, if you, if you're in fear of error and uh, you ignore the truth, you're in error. Yeah. So, and so, you know, I say it like this, if the enemy can keep you sick and poor, he's going to severely limit your destiny. And so the two doctrines that have been fought against the most in the last 30 years in the body crisis, healing and finances, health and wealth. And so, um, I would say this, there is no prosperity gospel, but the gospel of the kingdom includes prosperity. And so I think the reason the reaction we have is because it was, you know, so a Toyota to reap a Ferrari, 
You know, and if you will give in this thing, God will give you the Boaz anointings, you know, all these debt cancellation anointings. You know, it was all this, it was using God as a divine slot machine. Right. And so, um, so I think the, the bad taste that people have in their mouth was earned by people yeah. who went beyond what Scripture said. You know, yeah. Scripture was clear on some things, but they wanted to have a new revelation. And I'm sure they were genuine, most of them. Yeah. Uh, some of them, you know, it's just, you know, it just... You know, the Bible warns about the love yep. of money. It can do, it can do yeah. bad things. It can, you know, it's like the side effects of medication. You know, you read the, like the, the warning labels <laughs> yeah. of money. You know, it's like you know. Well, and if we want to get really, and and not everyone that listens to this are Christians, but okay. a lot of people know me, and I have a lot of people that are believers on the show just because that's who I'm sure. around. Um, but money really just exposes who you are, right? And 100%. and this is like a deeper. So it's not necessarily that money will change you, although it will expose you. Yeah, I, I like to say it amplifies whatever's yep, in there. That's good. Yeah, and so if you're a generous person, here's the good news: is money's going to amplify that. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, you know, money's just the lubricant to, to help you accomplish your why. Yeah, you know, it's I look at it as the provision for your vision. And so, in order for you to be wealthy, it means you have to have a vision. Yeah. Otherwise, how much? How do you know how much is ever enough? So, um, so yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, I totally lost track of where we're at here. So, so I, I mean, I think let's let's go into some of the some of the principles as it relates to when you when you talk about money because we we had talked about the sadness of your believer, mm -hmm. your pastor, and then yeah. you take that, and I get it because you know there's a lot of bad stuff in the past. Yeah. yeah, bad stuff in the past. So let's let's move on from that and let's get practical. And, and you have so much wisdom as it relates to, to wealth. So why don't you give a big picture? What is the big vision here? And then let's go, let's go through some yeah. of the key points that you teach in your Yeah, let's give some course. takeaways, definitely. Yeah. So I, I look at it like this. I mean, this is a popular parable, obviously not in, uh, unique to me, but there's an Indian parable about three blind men and an elephant. And uh, so that, you know, the, they each go up to a part of the elephant and they're supposed to describe what the elephant is like. So the one guy goes up and he holds onto the tail and he swings it on and says the, the elephant's like a rope. The other one holds onto the leg and says it's like a tree trunk. The other one holds onto the ear and says it's like a fan. Now they were each partially right, but they were they didn't get the whole picture. And I feel like that's what's happening so many times with financial gurus is yes. giving you a piece of the puzzle. And so you need to pay off debt. You need to invest in real estate. You need to understand the laws of sowing and reaping and generosity. Totally, you man. You need to, you know, and so it's like the, the, those are all pieces of it, but they don't have the whole elephant. So what I've tried to do is really look at the whole elephant, and I kind of have it in one sentence. And so obviously I have a Christian context, but I, um, I think we can explain it in a way where it'll work for you too. Yeah. So the first part is, uh, here's the sentence. I would say this, there's no, here's the secret to wealth. There is no secrets. Like, I like uh, that. Like it's, it's, it's all out there. <laughs> right, right. I'm there, about, there's nothing hidden. There isn't. It's like, hold on. There's got to be some secret. You know, no, 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 there isn't. It's all out there. It's all in the internet. Not putting it to, but we need more than information. You know, totally. as I say this, if information was all we needed, we'd all be skinny, rich, and happy. <laughs> so the first, so here's the sentence is, is partner with God to earn more than you spend, which is all about optimizing cash flow, which is Caleb's specialty. And invest and multiply, which mm. is also Caleb's specialty here. So, <laughs> so I, I'm here to learn too, bro. And so the, the partner with God part, you know, it's really it's dealing with the the in the inside. Let's just say you're not a Christian. Um, you know, you still need to deal with those mindsets, those limiting beliefs, those things that I'm no good with money. Yeah, you know, I didn't come from a family like this. I could never start a business. Um, you know, there, there's things you can learn. I mean, it's, you know, I like to say this: it's not rocket surgery. You know, mm, it's like yeah. these things are, you know, and so, you know, you might have to learn a term like people get thrown off by the word asset. Well, it just means it's an investment that's going to throw money in your pocket. You know I mean? So yeah. like just get your, you know, don't get turned off by the terminology. Don't be afraid to look some stuff up and learn a couple new things. But 
it really isn't, you know, rocket surgery. And so the, so you begin with partnering with God. And so I like to say this, you know, you can't build a skyscraper on an outhouse foundation. Yeah. The, the width and depth of the foundation determines the height of the building. And we want to help people build a high building when it comes to their finances so they can make a big impact. You know, more money equals more impact. And um, I like to look at it like this, you know, if God can get money through you, he'll get money to you and there'll be plenty left over for you. So it's like the inside of a hose gets wet. So when the priority of my finances is on God and other people, I don't have to worry about God taking care of me. God will take better care of you on accident than you could take care of yourself on purpose because in your own strength, you're in a recession. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, it's up to you, whatever the, the market is going to do. And so, and so I, I, like to get the, I like to get those foundational issues right of at a granular level, cellular level, nobody can take better care of me than dad. So I believe you can actually step into financial freedom before you earn one more dollar when you learn how to turn your finances over to God and recognize I'm not an orphan. Mm. This planet has a father and I've entered into his kingdom and he's a good father. Yeah. And so I'm not primarily responsible for my life on my own. You know, it doesn't mean, you know, I, you know, I say it like this, God will bless, said he blessed the work of your hand, not your butt on the couch. So I'm not talking <laughs> yeah. about, you know, I'm talking about, okay, we're Christians now. We're just going to sit and pray and checks are going to fly in your mailbox. No, he said he'd give you the power to create wealth. He didn't say he'd give you wealth. Mm -hmm. A lot of Christians are waiting for money to drop on their head like ripe cherries off of a tree. That's not how it works. He, mm -hmm. he, wants to, he wants to co labor with you to add massive value to people's lives, and wealth is attracted to value. Right. Well, let's, let's go into what you wrote on the board last night, because that was a big aha moment for me okay. with this idea of tithing and investing and seed. And let's talk about that. Yeah. So this all falls under the partner with God part. And so a lot of Christians are trying to tithe their way to wealth. And that's not that, that whether you believe in tithing or not, just insert your amount in there. And so you cannot tithe and offering your way to wealth. It's yep. only part of the wealth building equation. I can prove it to you. How many people do you know that love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength? They're good people, but they're still living paycheck to paycheck, have very little in savings, aren't making the impact, and they're giving up on their dreams. I, a lot of them. A lot of them. And these are good people. And it yep. doesn't mean that they're bad. It just means they need to understand how things really work in, the, in God's kingdom and on his planet. So I want you guys to picture this. And so... Um, 2 Corinthians 9, it's a, it's a passage in the Bible, and it says that every dollar that comes in your life, it gives bread to the eater and seed to the sower. So bread is to provide, for, so every dollar that comes in your life is either going to be bread or seed. Nobody can tell you how much is, is too much, or how, much yep. is, how much is your bread, or how much is your seed. That's best between you and God. And I like how Dave Ramsey puts it. He says it's like a cup, um, your, your, your daily, you know, the part that God wants you to live on. It's not a swimming pool, and it's not a thimble. It's a cup, and nobody can tell you the, the amount of your cup. And your cup's probably going to change as your kids age and different things, how much God wants you to live on. But bread, part of your stewardship, part of your job as a manager of God's money is to enjoy the goodness of God with God. So a lot of people think the most spiritual thing they could do is what's the least amount I can live on and give away everything else. Well, that's, that's a good recipe to be poor. Mm -hmm. you know. And so poor people are those who spend everything they have. And yep. wealthy people, they, they're going to set aside some to invest. And so I want you to think of that bread. Is, um, so I remember uh, my youngest son, he uh, wanted to play the drums. And so we started him off on the rubber pad and got him some lessons and just to see if he was actually serious about this thing. Yeah. And the teacher's like, listen, man, he, that rubber pad's going to get old. <laughs> like he's going to want to bang on some, you know, the snare, the bass, the, you know. And so we went and got him a really nice, uh, he said, get him uh, two levels above where he's at. Get him okay. a, a nicer set. So we went and got him one. And I've watched him come alive. Like it's changed his personality just to have the outlet, the creativity. You know, if I came home one day and, uh, and the drums were gone, I said, Evan, what happened to these? And if he said, you know, dad, I've, I gave them away to a friend. I wouldn't be like, oh, wow, that's so generous. I'd be like, no, son, that was actually for yeah. you and part of your destiny. 
And I think that uh, so many people, they th- they're giving away their bread. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're trying, they, they, you can't plant your bread. It won't grow. And don't eat your seed. It's your only chance of a future harvest. And so, so your bread is, is, is to enjoy the goodness of God with God. And you're, but now I want you to think about seed. And so, so in, in the Bible, the, the money is compared to a seed. And so it's like, you know, if you sow generously, you reap generously. So, there's, um, so I want you to picture this. So picture a seed is actually two different things. It's giving and investing. So there's an Old Testament book of the Bible called Malachi. I like to refer to him as the Italian prophet Malachi. There's this verse that says this. God says, test me in this. He says, in tithes and offerings, which is, is giving. And he says it, it says, it opens up the windows of heaven. So that's a metaphor for rain, guys. So I want you to picture like a, um, picture the word seed with an arrow going up, and it's drawing this cloud. And there's this cloud that's opening up the windows of heaven. That's what your giving does. Is it's, it's, you're putting your money, and you're, you're opening up the supernatural realm over it. So that's, I'm talking about favor, um, favor, contacts, ideas, wisdom, witty inventions, just all those things where that, that realm of God the creator of creativity is now opened up to you. But the, the next part of the verse says that God would rebuke the devourer from the, the seed in the ground and your vines in the field. So here's the thing, guys. You can have the windows of heaven opened up, but if you don't have anything planted on earth for it to rain on, it will not multiply. So the other part of your seed is investing. So I want you to think about bread and seed. Bread's what you live on, but seed, part of it goes towards generosity, which opens up the windows of heaven, but the other part of that has to be invested on earth. Mm. And uh, the good news is it's not rocket surgery there. It's yeah. going gonna to be paper assets, stocks, bonds, exchange-traded funds, mutual funds. It's going to be um, real estate, or it's going to be um, business entrepreneurship. There's totally. Only, there's, only, there's only three things for that to multiply on. And um, yeah. I love it, man. I love it. So, so just in summary, the bread is what you live off of. Uh, you, you teach a 70%, 60%? I encourage people to learn to live on 70 as a start. Okay. You know, as a start. And so I say learn because most people are living at 100%. Right. And so... Yeah. I, I, no, no, no. Most people are living on over than 100%. Yeah, I've been, I've been <laughs> Let me correct you on that. Yeah. And, and if you're there, it's, it's, it's okay. Right. Just don't stay there. Right. Like there's, I've not found shame and guilt no, yeah. uh, to be helpful in, in, yeah. uh, in anything. And so let's say, uh, yeah. So let's let's say let's just kind of give the ideal starting point. And I don't think I don't think this is an ending point, but I like to say give, invest, live on the rest. And so give ten percent, invest twenty percent, live on seventy yeah. as, as a start. <clears throat> yeah. And so why? Because I want to open up those windows of heaven. Yeah. But if I'm but if I'm sowing it all into heaven and I've got nothing on earth, right? So and so the twenty percent it might look something like this, you know. Um, if you're severely in debt, you've got huge student loans, you might take that whole 20% <clears throat> right. and uh, pay off those loans. Yep. Because if you think of net worth as altitude, mm. if you're huge in debt, you're actually subterranean. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're below level. And so, and if you, let's say you got a million dollars net worth, you know, you've got, let's call it, you know, you, you've got high altitude. And, um, and so when you're paying off debt, you're going from sub altitude, you're, you're rising up. And so it's, it's the direction of wealth when you're paying that off. I mean, if you've got high you know, credit card loans, I would encourage you to pay those things off quickly. Um, yeah. But whether you're paying off debt or building assets, it's still the direction of wealth. Yeah. And so if you're severely in, in that. But, you know, but, you know let's say you know, you've got a you know, car loan at 3% and you know, the, the, things are, the, the, the loans aren't that high, you, you're probably going to want to put some priority. You're going to want to start investing. Yeah. It's, for, for me, it's super simple. It's control cost. Okay, talk to me about that. And and so it's it's essentially if you're and it's looking at where money's flowing. And so the reality is this, if you're if we have people coming to us that have credit card debt and I've seen credit card debt when you add the fees over 30%. Wow. Okay. They're 
there's not, it would not be a wise or a good steward of anybody to try to go put this money in something else. You'd be much better, like you're saying, knock that out and then you're freeing up 30% yep. of money that was leaving to you and now can work for you. Yeah. But if you have a, a loan at four or 5%, then it's, it's again, it's not, I'm, it's not my decision. It's, it's sitting down and saying, okay, can you buy, in an investing activity or by starting a business or real estate or whatever, can you create more value? Cause I, I interrupted you earlier when yeah. I want to go down the value road. Can you create more value than 5%? If the answer is yes, mathematically, and as it relates to your wealth, you're better off going that route. If it's, if it's no, we're unsure, there's nothing wrong with paying off that debt. Nothing wrong. Yeah. I like that. I, yeah. you know, there, there's always options and um, yeah, that's really good. I like that. I mean, there's always a math answer and there's an emotional answer. hundred percent. Yeah. And it's like, should we pay off the house or should we, you know, invest the difference in this and that? Well, there's a math answer that yeah. you, you could work out and it, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, there's an emotional answer. Right. You know, you know what's it worth to your wife to live in a paid off house? Right. You know, even if it doesn't make math sense. And so, you, you, you know, you're going to love this ROR for our company stands for return on result. Mm -hmm. And so I use that because we can get super analytical or we can, we can talk about the things that don't matter. But what's the return on or rate of return for sleeping at night? Yeah. What's what's the rate of return of having a happy wife? What's the you know what I'm saying? Like we get yeah. so we focus on the wrong things. And that's when we when we have an ideal result and our time, energy, and money is backing up that, that's that's an abundant life. I like the way you put that. Yeah. I mean, for my wife, having the house paid off is uh is way more than us leveraging it and you know, getting yeah. an extra five, ten percent here and you know, and, and it's, and it's risk management too. Right. You know, it's, it's a risk managed thing. So, but I, I understand, you know, you, yeah. We'll, we'll talk offline, I, yeah, bro. I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> I, you I, just opened up a can of words. Yeah. Well, I, I opened it up and you taught me yesterday. And so, uh, yeah, there's, there's nuances. These things. I think that's what, I mean, yeah, there's just, there's an advantage to having somebody who knows all the options to sit down with you and help you see the right. options because you can't figure them all out on your own. Right. I can't, I mean, I need people to help me do that. Well, I'm seeing that now. Right. You know, that there, there's a, there's a, there's a, a niche expertise to help you sit down and not just have general principles that you're trying to apply. I mean, there's, yeah, there's experts who can help you yeah. maximize what's legally available that it'd be really difficult for somebody to become, to do that on their own. So, right. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about value because I'm super passionate about yes. this. I'm going to actually have in my new book, a whole chapter that money follows value. Yeah. huge, huge fan of this. Let's do that. And then I want to get into the nuts and bolts of your course. So I, I say it like this, wealth is attracted, not pursued. I like that. And so the kingdom attracts what the world pursues. And so we don't chase dollars. We, uh, what we do is we are uh, partnering with God to add massive value. And so when he said he gave you the power to create wealth, so that's Deuteronomy 8.18. He didn't say he'd give you wealth. So it's interesting. So the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, and I'm not going to give you a big Hebrew study here, but this is interesting. So the, the word where it says he gave you the power to create wealth, some translations say get wealth, but here, here's, um, I want you to look at the direction of wealth. I, I like create wealth better because it's also, it's the same word that says God created man and woman. Yeah. We're going to see, I want you to see in a second, the way that God creates, he gave you that same power. Hmm. This is going to be super interesting, hmm. but, but I want to get you, I want you to think of the direction of wealth. When I think of getting wealth, it, it sounds to me like I'm taking something from somebody. When I'm creating wealth, it sounds like the direction is going from me towards them. So to me, that is a huge distinction. I'm not, so there's a popular teacher out there and I'm not going to mention his name. Uh, you guys probably figured it out, but he wakes up every morning and said, who's got my money? 
who's got my money? And people are targets to him mm. to get his money. Um, I think that's an unbiblical viewpoint. I think yeah. that's a dangerous viewpoint. Scarcity. It is. And um, versus, you know, how, how can I add the most? How much money is too much money? Well, how much money is too much value to create? Yeah. How much value is too much value? The more people you help, the wealth is attracted to that. And so if you can tell me, oh, you know, you can, you know, helping a million people is too many. Well, really? Like, yeah. if this is really, yeah. So to me, you can't put a cap on somebody's money. Now, for the believer, how much money is too much money? It's whatever amount replaces trust in God. Hmm. For some people, they get a hundred bucks in their wallet. They forget there's a God in heaven. Yeah. Other people, a hundred, a hundred million wouldn't even move their heart because right. they're so anchored in the invisible realm. Right. And so, yeah, so money. So I want you so God gives you the power to create. So how does God create? This is interesting that the first verb of the Bible, Genesis one, in the beginning, God created. And it says uh, the heavens and the earth. And it says that the earth was formless and without void. It was a mess. It, and, uh, some translations say they had, it was chaos over the surface of the water. And here's what happened. It says the Holy Spirit hovered over the surface of the water. So how does God create? He hovers over the, he hovers over the Holy, how, let's put it this way. If you're going to create like God, how does he create? You're going to hover over the cast of your life with the Holy Spirit, and he's going to give you solutions to bring order out of disorder. I want you to think of this. So some of you are like, why is my life a mess? Stop cursing the darkness. You're called to change it. The reason your life is attracted to chaos and darkness is because you were born to shine. Yeah. And so how do we, but how do we handle those things? And so there's a mess at work. There's this, these systems that aren't working. There's this uh, problem at home with the child. We need to hover over that with the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I need solutions. I need strategies. And so the voice of the Holy Spirit is, is the unfair advantage for the believer. At least it should be. Where he's giving us strategies, wisdom, insight. Um, I mean, John 16 said the Holy Spirit would show us things to come. That's unfair. Yeah. We, we've got to recognize That's an unfair that. advantage. It's an unfair advantage. And so we as believers have got to recognize that um, you know, we, we, it's, it's not insider training. It's, it's partnering with God to bring value to people's lives. Yeah. It's not about, okay, God gives me these secrets. So I can get more money. It's no, no. He's giving you secrets to help more people yeah. and money follows that. So I understand that cash flow is the life of any business. But when you begin to think, how can we get more money? You've, you've walked away from value creation. Yeah. It's how can we add more value? And so that's why you may say, you know what? We need to add another location. Yeah. We need to add another product because the goal is we can serve more people with this, yes. recognizing money will be attracted to that. Yeah. And so the second part of uh, using God's power to create well, so the first part is I got to hover over those chaotic situations with him to get answers. But see, Christians are really great at getting inspired by the, I got this idea. It's, you know, Phineas and Ferb, I know what I'm going to do today. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. And, um, but the second part of it is in Genesis 31, one, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, it says that um, God saw what it was good, and he continued to work at it until it was just the way he wanted it. That's the Amplified translation. So I want you to get this. It's not, for wealth creation is not just having the solution, it's in the execution. It's actually in, you know, sometimes yeah. hard work, you know, sometimes breakthrough looks like uh, you're in overalls covered in dirt. It looks like hard work. And so, yeah. so, I want you, so I want you to get that. So part of partnering with God is I'm getting the solutions, but I'm also trusting in his strength to actually execute on that thing. So that's, that's really huge. I had a friend um, named Kevin, and apparently this was before child slavery laws here. So he worked for this car dealership, and he got $2 a car for uh, detailing cars. So, you know, detailing, detailing, detailing car, you're washing, you're waxing, you're taking the little Q-tip and getting in the vents, making sure there's no water spots, cleaning all the spokes of the tires. That's a lot of work. And so his boss would walk by the car, and if there was a water streak on it, he didn't have to fix the water streak. He had to start the whole process over. 
So Kevin learned to do Genesis 131, where he looked and approved it completely until it was just the way he wanted. That's what I'm talking about in value creation. It's Mm. not just having a good idea. It's saying, you know, we're going to keep working at this product, this system, this service, until it's just the way we wanted, before we move on to the next shiny object. So that's that's part of value creation. Well, I'm grateful that you went in depth, because I, I usually just keep it surface level and say, create, serve people, and the person that's able to serve more people it's a crazy thing if money is is a scoreboard for value. It is. And so that, I love that. All right, let's get into the nuts and bolts of your course. Just, yeah. okay, just one quick thing. Yeah. So that means that your prosperity is always tied to someone else's problem. Yeah. So when you have, there's an endless list of problems, means an endless list of opportunities. Yes. And so if we could just begin to pay attention to what are the ones that we're kind of bugged by, maybe that's God tapping you on the shoulder. Uh, I don't want to say the universe if you're not a Christian. It's God. And so... Um, the, uh, it's, 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 it's tapping on the shoulder and inviting you into an opportunity. And so what if you just begin to pay attention? I mean, it's crazy. If you look at some of these inventions that are like part of our lives now, everything from sticky notes to, yeah. it was just like, there was a problem, yeah. you know, to clay that's not allergic, you know, uh, you know, gluten-free clay so that kids, you know, couldn't have allergic. I mean, just all these things that are making millions and millions. It's, uh, it's solving a problem. So, okay. Sorry. I, I love that, man. Um, all right. Nuts and bolts of the course. Yeah. I know we're, I, obviously we can't get into all of, all no. of this, but you, some of the things that you shared last night were huge. And I'm, okay. I'm just, that's what made me so excited for this because I want people to take real practical takeaways and yeah. help people win when it comes to their money and when it comes to their life. Yeah, so it was partner with God to earn more than you spend and invest the difference to multiply. So we take each one of those phrases as a level. Level one is partner with God. So we're helping you with your heart sets, your mindsets, getting free from the law of tithing. I mean, it's like if someone's got a gun to your head, giving doesn't feel like worship. If yeah. you're, and so I say he's God the Father, not the Godfather. He's not going to send the devourer to break your kneecaps. I mean, it makes it sound like tithing is hush money to pay the mafia so that Guido doesn't come <laughs> break your kneecap. We got to take that off of people right, and, and totally. let it be worship again. And so, well, we go into depth. But then the earn more than you spend part is um, we, we've got some good things. I'm actually looking to partner with you. I'm calling you out right, right. here <laughs> on the thing because you're, you're farther on me and you're thinking this. And so I'm looking for, this is about efficiencies. This is about plugging leaks. Yeah. This is about uh, the best use of your money. This is about increasing your income. The yeah. best way to get out of debt, gang, is to increase your income and manage your expenses. It's not to eat rice and beans and go yeah. on a, uh, you know, let's see, you know, let your kids uh, feet poke, poke through the end of the shoes and, you know, you can wear them a couple more days, duct tape them, you know. Yeah. And so just, just that kind of, that, why? Because that's a scarcity mentality that yeah. will affect your soul. You have to be able, there's a right way to save money and a wrong way. The right way is to do it without deprivation or scarcity. So we teach all these things in the course um, strategies for, you know, how are you going to, uh, you know, become great at something, you know? Yeah. Which by the way, that is so important. It is. And what's your practical strategy for it? You know, the biblical word is yatir. It said that Daniel had an excellent Mm. spirit and he was, uh, I'm sorry, the the old Testament was written in Hebrew. And so the Hebrew word for excellent is yatir. Mm -hmm. It means to jut up above the rest. You're going to stick your head above the crowd. I said, Daniel was 10 times better than the other magicians. But here's the thing. Mm. He wasn't just good at God stuff. I mean, he could interpret dreams. He had God, man, we want all that stuff. But it also, the the first part of Daniel one, it said that he, um, was fluent in the language and culture of the Chaldeans and yeah. their history and their philosophy. He was actually good in his field. Yep. And so I think a lot of Christians, we think we're just going to show up and the, the wealth of the wicked is going to be transferred to, from, the right, from, the, from the wicked to the righteous. And um, 
here's how the wealth of the wicked is going to be transferred to the righteous is because the righteous just have a better way of doing it. Yep. The stuff that we have actually just works and it's serving people. And it's not like Christians are sitting on the couch worshiping and all of a sudden all this money from the mafia just comes into their bank account. And it's this foolish stuff. It's no, it's because we're partnering with God to solve the problems of the world. You are shaped to be a shaper. You were made to be a maker. You were created to be a creator. Christians in their DNA, we actually are solution-oriented people, not just solutions, Mm. um, uh, things that have not just like major, major things like, oh, irrigation for like power shares, that too, but problems of this planet. He wants to overwhelm with his goodness. He's a good God. (laughs) I mean, and so, uh, yeah, so it's, I just want you, if if you're, if you're listening to this, in your DNA, you are a solution-oriented person. And you do not have a money problem, you have an idea problem. Yeah. And if you have an idea, then you have an execution problem. So I would encourage you, partner with God on this thing. Learn some skill sets. The Bible says that we need to grow in, I'm getting into the kind of the investment side here. The Bible says that there is knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. This is huge because let's say you're like, okay, I know I want to build wealth through real estate. I want to, let's just use that as an example. And so, um, well, do you know anything about real estate? No. Well, then don't invest a dime. Yeah. If you have less than $10,000 to invest, I would encourage you to invest in yourself. Get, yes. some, spe- get some specific knowledge. Yep. So, so uh, you know, I want to do multifamily uh, apartment complexes. Well, you better learn about that. Yep. Get some specific knowledge in it. Then you need to get in the game. That's where you're going to gain understanding. Understanding biblically is an experience. You're going you're gonna to learn so much. I, I, you know, I just launched this course. I'm learning so much about <laughs> launching courses. I, mean, you know, I just did nine 16-hour days in a row of trying to plug holes that we didn't see. Guess what? I'm in the game. Yeah. I'm gaining. I had knowledge. Well, and by the way, by the way, you're, you're investing in yourself. It, like you are eating your own advice because yeah. you're, you're learning how to be a better at online marketing. You're learning yeah. to be better at course design but like, I want to come back to that. Okay, that's I, there's so huge. many things that you said, by the way, that I want to come back to. I want to come back is, to that one, yeah, because yeah, that, yeah, that, I want to talk about being fruitful, then multiply. Otherwise, you're going to multiply dysfunction. I want to talk to you about that. I like that. So, um, so there's knowledge, there's understanding. You got to get in the game, but then eventually you're going to gain wisdom. And wisdom is when you're able to make the distinctions. Why not? Th- why this property and not that one? Mm. Why this property man? Why this funding source? Um, this is where you're actually going to gain, so you can gain, gain wisdom from other people. So, you know, I'm, I'm hanging out at your house here and I've been <laughs> listening to all this stuff and I can see that if, uh, you know, sitting down with you or Dave or your, your team, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to sell here. This is the honest <laughs> to God truth here is that you guys are able to make distinctions. Yeah. That's wisdom. Yeah. When you can say, here's why you need to do this investment vehicle versus this investment vehicle at this time. Yeah. That's wisdom. And so you can either get wisdom from, uh, gaining knowledge, understanding, and eventually you gain wisdom, and or you can get it from other people. Yeah. You can jump in line. <laughs> yeah. You know that's why the Bible says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Yeah, you don't have to get it all yourself. And so I would, yeah, I would encourage people. Yeah, you, you got to get in the game eventually. And part of the game is the how tos. Yeah. And so it's not enough to just renew your mind and have mindsets and overcome living beliefs. You're eventually going to have to invest in yourself and, and learn these things and, uh, and learn the how-tos. Wealth is attracted to the person who knows the how-tos. Yep. So biblically, listen to this. Uh, so there's a parable where Jesus gave people a certain amount of money. It was, a, it was called a talent. Let's just call it $5,000. And so um, it says that he gave them, are you ready for this? According to their ability. I want you to think how powerful that is. So some people got five, uh, you know, uh, got one. They got yeah, one got one, one got five, and one got ten units yeah. of this money. And the guy who had one, he uh, he, he didn't blew do anything it. with it. He 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 refused. He he was afraid to yeah. lose it. 
So yeah. he played defense. And so what would you think? I mean, you think at this story it's going to come at the end. So here's what happened, guys, is, is the guy who had five turned it into 10. The guy, you know, the guy who had two turned it into four, and the guy who had one buried it, hit it. So at the end, at the end um, of the story, uh, the, the master comes, and the, the one who um, doubled it, the, you know, they got rewarded with influence over cities and all this and that. But the guy who had one, he says, you wicked and lazy servant. And the guy says, well, well, master, I knew that you were a harsh man, that you sow, you reaped where you did not sow. So I want you to get this, guys. Some Christians have a wrong view of God, that if I do something wrong, he's going to come lower the hammer, which is God is not like that at all. But his wrong view of God kept him in fear. And here's the thing. I, here's, some, here's some good news, bad news. Jesus was not a socialist. He took from the guy who had won and gave it to the guy who had 10. The person who knew how to handle money, he could actually create an ecosystem. He says, I'm giving you the authority to shape culture over cities. I'm going to make you rule over 10 cities. I want you to think about that. God's like, hey, if you'll just take what's in your hand and learn how with me to multiply these things, if you're able to build an ecosystem of wealth, Mm -hmm. that qualifies you to influence cities. Mm. It's crazy. It's crazy talk. But But the guy who had one, he refused to learn. He played it safe. And a lot of people think that's spiritual. And I don't want to lose it. Yeah. I'm just going to stick it in the mattress. And the guy's like, he's like, you should at least stuck it in the bank and got interest, is what the master said. And so I think that's that knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And the, the person who knows the how-tos attracts the wealth. He, the guy who had, went from five to ten, the one was taken away from the one guy and given to the guy with the ten. It was attracted to him. He didn't even do anything to it. But because of the how-tos, uh, he was able to be trusted with more money. And that interesting. So where do you want me to begin? <laughs> I, I agree with all everything that you said, by the way. Like a couple things. Number one, you know that we're big fans of saying you are your greatest asset. And what we mean by that is 100%. You're the best investment you can make is in yourself. And so if you, are, if you are undervaluing yourself or if you're not maximizing the money that you can create or you don't have specialized knowledge, get that first before you try to 100%. go t- do a tactic can you can you tell the thing about the the club and the swing? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I'm okay. Um, just you know, I'm stealing that. Okay, please do. Yes. Or here, I'll, I'll, I will I will credit you the first few times. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just one time. All right. Um, but no, like I'll actually use a ping pong example. Same example, by the okay. way. Okay. So I'm 12 years old at a ping pong tournament. This might be news for a lot of people listening to this. Okay, I'm glad I didn't uh, play. Uh, yeah. Yet. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I play this seven year old kid. Okay. And we're like battling it out. Okay, so we both have the same paddle. I'm not the same, but it's very similar. And this kid calls a timeout. And his mom comes in and ties his shoes. He he didn't know how to tie his shoes. And I I was like (laughs) going, that that like killed my ego, killed my confidence. I I ended up losing that match. Okay, I, I say that because was it the paddle? Or was it the swing and technique that we were playing? <laughs> the same thing that goes with uh, with golfing. If you're a golfer, you know <clears throat> it's not the club, it's the swing and how you swing it. And we f- love to focus so much on the paddle, so much on the club. And we, lo- I mean, we have books, we'll have arguments, we'll, and people are focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. People are focusing- Should we do a Roth or should we do just a yeah. regular IRA or mutual fund? Yeah. It's the, what's the process and wh- why are you even playing this game to begin with? Okay, that's huge. Yeah, because how do you know if you're winning if you don't even know what your why is? You don't even know what the target is. Yeah, that's super good. I love that because you're focusing on the process and the person yes. rather than the product. Yes. And so, yeah, because investing yourself is is a risk-free investment, and it will compound with every yeah. investment you make. Yeah. Literally, you become better at every single thing. So that kind of brings me to, so in, um, is there an interesting thing in Genesis, so much in Genesis. Yeah. 
So God gives um, some kind of marching orders to, to the mankind, but it's really it's the process to grow anything. He tells them to be fruitful, and then multiply, and then replenish, mm. and then subdue. So let's, let's look at those. Let's just uh, four phases of any growth. Let's just pick a business. Yep. So the fruitful phase, I like to say it like this, be fruitful and then multiply. Otherwise, you're going to multiply dysfunction. Mm. So uh, the second biggest reason businesses fail is because they try to scale too quickly. Yep. They try to multiply too quickly. The first reason businesses fail is because people are trying to sell products nobody wants to buy. Yeah. Shocker. Li- life's too short. <laughs> yeah. Life's too short to build products nobody wants to buy. And so I, that's why I believe I love the bootstrapping model, the lean startup, where you know, you're actually going to verify customer demand before you go build it yeah so you might do customer interviews you might uh, do a smoke test you might do uh, make an offer you know interview and then make an offer and see if people actually want to buy the offer which funds your minimum viable product yeah you know so it's it's like you know build the door first that's the problem and then you can build the key yeah make, make sure you get, make sure you nail the problem so in the fruitful stage the fruitful stage is the messy stage this is where um, this is where I'm at right now with my course. And so yeah. we're realizing, you know what? There's some things we don't know. We haven't proven out the business model. We haven't proven out the marketing system. So in the in the fruitful stage, this is where uh, you're getting things wrong. But, you're, but here's the difference: in the fruitful stage, you're becoming different. Yeah. So it's messy. You, you know, the relationships aren't right. The product's not right. The systems aren't right. The services you're you're, you're learning a ton. But at the end of that fruitful stage, you've got paying customers, but you're different. Yeah. And, you, and you've proven out the business model. You know you know where your cash is coming from. You know your expenses. You know if I put in this much money into marketing, I'm going to get this much money out. So once you have that, then you can multiply. This is when you're going to apply leverage. Yeah. You know, where you're going to apply, apply you know, knowledge leverage. Listen, guys, there's no obstacle in your path to wealth that can't be solved with leverage. I like that, man. Literally, there's nothing. Like, name a problem. Well, there's somebody who knows how to overcome that. That's knowledge leverage. There's yeah. systems leverage. There's technology leverage. There's marketing leverage. There's other people's network leverage. There's uh, financial leverage is only one part of it. Yeah. And it's the only one that cuts both ways. If I, I look at financial leverage differently than consumer debt. You know, financial leverage is like a loaded gun. You know, um, sometimes that's the best thing you can have. Sometimes <laughs> it's dangerous. Right. And so in ascending uh, inflationary economy, it can be your, your best friend. You know, if, and if your business is growing, it, it can be your best friend. In a deflationary economy or in a decline, it, it, it could ruin you quickly. Yeah, uh, totally. Just, just ask 2007, 2008, right? Yeah. The, the real estate marketing company. So, yeah. So, financial leverage is the only one that cuts both ways. But the rest of them, there's no negatives to other people's networks, other right. people's knowledge. I mean, we're, we're both experiencing leverage right now. We're having a conversation. We're obviously like, it's not scripted, by the way, if you couldn't notice. Well, I noticed you have a notebook, yeah, but there's nothing written it, on it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like... That's that's when I have super super lame guests and I have to make up questions on the fly. Right, no, right. so no, that doesn't happen here. Um, but um, we're leveraging. This is a form of leverage because we're having this conversation. It's being recorded, and yeah. thousands of people are going to listen to this. It's knowledge leverage. Yeah, yeah. They, you can leverage other people's knowledge. Yeah. Anyone who's listening to this. So you want to be fruitful, and then you want to multiply that fruitfulness. And so once you've proven the business model, it's time. It's time to go big. But then I want you to, so then uh, the replenish stage, this is when you're actually, um, you know, this is when you need to systematize the business. Yep. Okay. So you're going big now. You, okay. Now you need to remove yourself from the production equation somewhat. You know, so this is about people. This is about processes, about procedures so that there's an automation to it yep. so that there's, there's a system to it so that if someone else stepped into a role, they would know how to do it. And so this is, this is when you're doing that. 
And, um, and that, that's, a, that's a very exciting. This is where big doors swing on small hinges. Yeah. This is where you know that little changes in your conversion rate yeah. into your lead generation, into your customer acquisition costs, into you know, those type of things. Those little percentages, those compound when you add them all together. Yeah. And, and they can make a huge difference in your business. So in that replenishing thing, this is where you're refining the systems. This is where and that. And then um, you know, this is where um, you know, innovation is, is not just a weekend retreat. It's a way of life. Like Jim, is innovation important? Well, ask Blockbuster if they saw Netflix coming. Yeah, you know this is where this type of thing. But then when you get to the subdue phase, this is where you're adding more value than anybody else. And I want you to get this phrase: What if you thought about retiring in your business rather than from your business? Okay. Let's, oh let's, wow. So let's talk about that. So this is um. So let's say that you, know, you got all. Let's say you got a two. I, I call it the million dollar myth. If I could just have a million dollars, well. A million dollar net worth is, is awesome, but you have to kill the asset in order yeah. to live on it. You know, you, you, you just, a million dollars sitting there doesn't do anything yeah. for you. You're going to have to it's sell the, it. The typical way is save that money and then spend it, and you're killing the goose to sling the golden egg. Right. You want to grow the golden goose so you can give away bigger golden eggs and live on bigger golden eggs. Yeah, right? I like that. So let's say retire in the, the business. So let's look at this. So, okay, so let's say I've got $2 million net worth, and it's all in paper assets. It's in the mutual funds and ETFs, whatever. And uh, the market drops. What do I do? I have to sit there and endure it. You know, there, there's no, there's people like, well, you know, you can only dilute market risk in the paper assets thing. So I say it like this, instead of just getting punched in the crotch, you get punched in the crotch, <laughs> the gut and the face, because when the market <laughs> drops it all things correlate, Yeah. you know? And so it's, it's, it's risk dilution. It's not risk mitigation yeah. unless you're doing quantitative analysis, which is a whole different animal. And so, um, and so retiring in your business. So if you have a business and the market changes, you can add a product. You can shift yeah. marketing strategies. You actually have control over that asset. And so what if you begin to retire from the parts now that drain you? So I really think when you start getting in like that multiply and replenish stage, like I hate this part of it. Okay, so you're, let's say you're, you got five hats you're wearing. And you're, let's just hypothetically, you're, you're spending 20% of your time on each of those hats. But now you hire somebody who's spending 100% of their time. They're going to do better in that area and you're going to be more productive because now you're only doing the parts that you love. Hmm. You see the difference there? So that's retiring in your business. I'm retiring from the parts that drain me. Yeah. And rather than grow the business and sell it for some big liquidity event, and now I've got to put all that, um, that giant, uh, a, a giant windfall into an asset that gives me cash flow. What if I just continue to grow the business? Yeah. And that was the, that was the golden goose. Yeah. That continued. And so can you see the difference between now I have an asset that I actually have control over? And listen, guys, your, your business is not just um, is about money. It's, it's, I mean, you get to use your creativity. There's the richness of relationships. You can actually transform families by the way that you do your business. When a mom or dad that works for you, that has a good day at work because you're treating them with honor, you're preferring them, you're listening to their ideas, you're, you're helping them feel like an owner in the company. When mom and dad have a good day at work, they have a good day at home. Yeah. You can literally change the environment of somebody's home, who, whether they're a believer or not, by the way, that, by the atmosphere and the DNA of your business. Mm. And so, it's, so business is always more than just about making money. It's actually, I believe it's one of the greatest ways to, to disciple people. And I believe God's plan for business is, is, is what he's doing, and it's parallel to yeah. what he's doing in the city, to where he wants to marry the wealth of business to the needs of a city. Mm. And at some point, you know, guys, once you've got your house paid for or leveraged or however you got, you know, however Caleb told you to do it, all the, all the same. So, let's just say once you've got enough money to, to live, yeah. it's about making a difference. Yeah. It's, about 100%. it's about legacy. Well, and, and if you're not getting ahead, quote unquote, start making a difference and, and see what happens yeah, I say and do it strategically. Yes. hundred percent. I, I say, taste it now. 
Yeah. And so if you want to feed orphans in Cambodia, you know, um, why, why don't you take a trip over there? Yeah. Now, you know, why don't you start in your city? Yeah. You know, why don't you, you know, do a, do a meet mobile program now? So, yeah. So I think we, sometimes we think that we get this thing. It has to be at level 10 before I do it. And it's no, no, you can taste it along the way. Yeah. That's, so, that's so good. And I, I want, I want like a common question that I get is Caleb, like, how do you know so much? How do you know so many people? Like there's a reason, like I am who I am because I get to talk to people like you. We might have to set up like a weekly call, my friend, just like <laughs> that. Well, like the uh, energizer, energizer bunny uh, when it comes to business, when it comes to wealth. Um, Jim, it's been a pleasure having you on. Is there anything else that you want to t- touch on? Then I want to ask you two other questions, but they're okay. not necessarily related to these Let me hit two. one fun one that we hit yesterday, the due diligence diamond. I'm going to hit Yeah, that. let's do that. And so I think that uh, for Christians, there's, um, you know, it's like, do I listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Do I do due diligence? I think wisdom implies that you do both. That you're going to, you know, if God's going to put his super on your natural, your natural has to have its act together. Yeah. Okay. And so... Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, yeah, God bless this mess. Well, it'll clean up the mess a little bit, you know, and give, give God something to work with. So think of a diamond, you know, it's got four points of a diamond. And so I say, if you're going to, in any investment, I kind of like to think of this process. They're not necessarily sequential. It's not like step one, two, three, and four. They're kind of all in parallel. And so this is, uh, so step one is, do you even have a piece about it? You know, if you know, if you, it's like, if, if you're, if you're not excited to find out more about it, then, you know, just don't waste your time. Yeah. You know, a part of wealth is, you know, I think Warren Buffett said something like part of wealth is saying no to almost absolutely everything. Yeah. Well, part of that's success. Okay. Success. Is, it, yeah. Well, well I'm, I'm not saying that's what he said, but like to be successful, you have to say no, no to a lot more than you say yes, which is hard for someone like me. It is. I, I think the challenge for me too, is I've got so many ideas, but to actually stick with that one product or service and make that yatir to make that excellent to mm-hmm. to do as well as i can before you move on to the next thing that that's the challenge and so so the first part of the diamond is just you have peace the second one is if you're married you need to have agreement with your spouse uh, ask <laughs> ask me how i know on this one uh, every time i've ran past that one so we do a red light yellow light green light system if we pray and we both have a green light we go for it yeah if one has a yellow we'll hold for it for a week and uh see and if it's uh if it's a strong green and uh just a kind of a light yellow we'll probably go for it if one of us has a red, um, and let's say I have a, let's typically how it happens. I have a strong green and she has a red. And, uh, and so every time I've tried to convince her, listen, sweetheart, you don't understand. Yeah. Here's the numbers on this thing. She's listen, I just know. And so what happens is I'm ignoring her discernment yeah. and trying to give her the facts. And sometimes, uh, every time I've convinced her red to try to turn it into a green, we've lost money every time. Hmm. And so that's the second part of the diamond. The third part is your actual due diligence. I mean, you know, yeah. if you're going to buy a property, do an inspection on it. You know, if you're going to, you know, when it comes to real estate, it's a tripod. You know, you got to buy right, you got to finance it right, you got to manage it right. right. Anyone, any one of those legs of the tripod falls, the whole thing crumbles. So your actual due diligence process. The last one is uh, the Bible says that uh, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. How many is a multitude? Uh, more than one, at least. Yeah. And so I try to get people as close to that specialty as I can. And so, um, yeah, so we're, like, we're getting ready. We're looking at building on some land that we have at the church and putting a neighborhood in there. And boy, just the numbers looked great, this and that. And I talked to a real estate developer and he slaps his hand on the table and he says, that's risky. I said, what are you talking about? And he just began to explain to me the market and that area and all the things that I hadn't thought about yeah. and began pursuing. And so, so yeah, I just think there's, yeah, there's, there's wisdom in hearing God and having unity, but also getting the best facts. You know, a proverb says, um, keep abreast of the facts. Uh, know all you can. 
And so I think, uh, I, I think that sometimes we, I got my, my gut. Listen, your gut's no good without God. Yeah. I don't, I don't care about your gut, you know? So, so give me the God story behind it and then uh, help me see the due diligence with it. So. Man, so so many things. We're, this will not be the last time you're on okay. on the show, man. I, I, unfortunately, I may have told you everything I know. So, well, no, yeah. that's not true. I, I know that. Um, okay, so I know you're a pastor. Yeah. So I'm going to take your number one book off the table right now. Okay. If you Can you give your top three books as it relates? And it doesn't even have to be money related, but have impacted bes- you bes- besides the Bible. <laughs> and, and the end asset. <laughs> and the, well, that's not your, the top three, let's be honest, but hopefully it's in the top 30. <laughs> so this may sound a little bit weird, but um, The Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Gary Keller. Okay. It's really a book of financial wisdom applied towards real estate. Yep, I've read it. Yeah. And so Gary, I love how he thinks systems. I yep. love, uh, he's a, he's a Christian, mm. but the book is not written with, uh, with, with that in mind necessarily. Like, you know, and so I, I think Gary Keller, um, I, I love everything that guy says. Well, the one thing is probably one of my top five books all yeah. time. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I, I made our staff read it and I think, yep. I think I need to reread it. Yeah. That's one of those books. Uh, the millionaire real estate investor. Um, so are you talking like Christian, non-Christian? I'm, just, I'm talking books. Just books that have really, I guess, just impacted me personally. Yeah. Um, I think Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I read that in the mid-2000s, and um, it rearranged my mental furniture. Right. And just to go back to what you referenced earlier in this conversation, you said um, how you think. Yeah. One of the things that I got from Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad, Poor Dad is don't say you can't afford it because that will actually, you'll actually believe that and you you will like live that out, say, ask the question, how can I afford that? So yeah. by the way, not giving you permission to spend money that you don't have or be Thank frivolous, yes. but start thinking growth minded and ask the question just by reframing that. How can we do this? It's amazing what, what happens and it comes down to mindset. So I'm, I'm just echoing what you're saying. Yeah. And I think that the, the one thing that really stuck out to me was how he uses assets to pay for liabilities. In yeah. other words, he uses income from his investments to pay for things that are going to depreciate. So he's the example of, uh, I think he wanted to buy a Ferrari. Let's just say a Ferrari. I don't remember what it was, yeah. but instead of paying $250,000 for the Ferrari, he went and put, um, put $250,000 on, I think it was like a 10 unit apartment complex and the cash flow from that paid for his Ferrari. And when the Ferrari was paid off, he still had the cash flow. Yeah. Now, to me, that was a entirely different way of thinking I, I, from a consumer standpoint of me of just, you know, can I afford this versus how can I afford this and how can I afford it wisely? So to me, uh, that, that was probably the, the second book. Um, you know, I've, I've probably read 200 books on finances. I'm just trying to, you know what, I'm just going to throw one in here. Uh, Todd Tresseter is one of my favorite guys, uh, financialmentor.com. And uh, he wrote a book called The Leverage Equation. It is gold. Okay. And so I actually use it in my course. I buy it for every person and we actually take eight weeks and go through it. That's amazing. I should try to get him on the show. He will blow your mind. I can't wait. So yeah, amazing. I love Todd. Okay. So last question, you ready for this? Yeah. It's your last day on earth. (laughs) You know that you're with the people that you love, which I know will be your family. Yeah. And you can take your life experience and pass it down in one conversation. What's that conversation going to sound like and look like wow man you know i think i would uh i would want them to understand the goodness of god yeah you know i think that uh a lot, a lot of people picture him as angry he's ticked off you know i've even heard people say you know if you know 
if God doesn't judge San Francisco, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Here's the truth. If God does judge San Francisco, he's going to have to apologize to Jesus. You have to understand, he, he's a ju- you don't want a God who's unjust, who just winks at sin. I mean, there's nothing that makes our blood boil more than when we see an injustice, you know, when we see a, a court decision go the wrong way. So God is a just God, so he demands a price for sin, but he's the one who paid the price for it. I want you to see it. So his holiness demanded a price for sin, and then he's the one who supplied his son. And so I think for them to see that we have a good God, because if he's not a good God, you know, uh, if you, then how could you ever approach him? How could you ever have a relationship with him? And so I think uh, I, would, I would want my kids, hopefully my dad made it easy for me. Hopefully me as a dad's making it easy, but he's even better than that. So I think for them to have that lens of goodness, you know, to whatever situation I come in in life, I know that there's a good God behind it. So even if I'm in a difficulty, I'm recognizing this difficulty is just, this is how we work out it. Yeah. Work out our inside muscles, you yeah. know. So I think I would want them to know that there's a, he's a good God. Yeah. So in this, in this, in the show notes, there'll be links to best connect with you yeah. and your, and your, what you, what your courses are doing. If, if, at anything registered with you, I would encourage you to check check this guy out and take his education because he is pouring his heart and soul. Guys, I'm seeing it firsthand. And for a fraction, like practically pennies, he's giving you everything that he knows and bringing in experts. And it's it's humbling. And dude, I, I super admire what you're doing. What is the best way for people to reach out directly to you? Yeah, the, the website is wealthwithgod.com. Um, on Facebook, um, it's, you know, facebook.com slash wealth with God. Yeah. You know, so those are probably the two best ways to, you know, I got a free course on there, increase your income for impact. And that'll give you a little flavor of it. And, uh, I think there's a, there's a five day, uh, free masterclass on the way on the Facebook page, but yeah, th- those would be good taste and sees. I love it, man. Thank you so much for being here. It's, it's, be here, it's always a pleasure to learn more about you and I'm excited to see the impact that you have. I love what you're doing. Uh, thanks for uh, just raising up a generation. And I, I love what you're doing is because it affects all generations. Yep. I mean, you're young, but I forget that you're young. Cause, <laughs> cause you got, I think uh, you've know, you got, got such a wisdom on you and such a zeal. So uh, thanks for what you're doing. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. Make sure you press subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or your favorite podcast player.